Well, good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. It was Sunday morning and the world was without hope. Everybody was feeling abandoned and lost and broken who had ever followed Jesus. And a group of women went to a tomb to embalm a body they expected to be dead and lifeless and broken. But when they got there, the Bible says that they were greeted by men shining like light who looked at him and said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. He is alive just as he said he would do. Come on, somebody. It's Easter Sunday. There's never been anything worth celebrating more than this right here. What a good time of worship this morning. I thank you, God. I was, I'm still trying to recover. Whew, it was good, man. <laughs> Man, I, I tell you what, and you know what worship is, is laying every gift you have at the feet of Jesus, and that's what, what's been happening all over this place this morning. Morgan, thank you so much for writing that beautiful spoken word, and April, and Danielle, and, and uh, um, Amanda with the paintings. You guys have got to make sure you check those out at the end of service. They're layered. You'll see them right outside these doors. It's just, man, I love seeing people worship, and that's just, this, is, this has been a place of worship this morning. All right. Get yourself together, John Mark. All right. Well, my name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor. And, and let me just welcome you to the Gathering Church. If this is your first time, we are so honored that you are here. We're, we're just, we've been waiting for you. I, I hope that you felt welcomed and at home from the moment you hit the parking lot, that when you came in, you got a free coffee and about a million donuts and a cardboard tin, that, that you just felt like somebody was expecting you here this morning. I hope that, um, that, that you just felt welcome home as you came in here. We, we've got a sign over those back doors that says, Welcome Home. And we don't want you to just read Welcome Home when you come into this place. We want you to feel Welcome Home. If, if you don't know us yet, I hope you give us the chance to. Because we're just a people, a community of people fixated on taking next steps. Here's what we know about us at the gathering. is, is We're all just trying to move one step at a time closer to Jesus together. That, that we believe there is a clear spiritual pathway that we are all on, that we are just walking together, that we might know God, find freedom, discover our purpose, and have the opportunity to make a difference. And so wherever you are on that scale today, you're in the right place. This is, this is the place for you. We want to get on that path on that journey alongside you and help you figure out what your next steps are. If you didn't know, you can have a real personal relationship with God exactly where you are. You don't have to do a single thing to earn it. You don't have to do anything to, to get your life straight first. He just wants to know you. He doesn't want you to know about him. He doesn't want you to, to know some rituals involving him. He wants to know you. You can know God and you can know him personally. If you came in here today feeling like you're just all wrapped up in chains, like, you, like you've just got so much that is holding you back, that is keeping you uh, from experiencing life the way you know you were made to, I need you to know that because of the cross, we have freedom. That because the grave was empty, you don't have to stay dead. That you can see your chains fall to the ground and you can find freedom. And we want to get on that journey with you. And once you find freedom, once you begin to taste it, once you begin to realize that there is more to this life than you ever thought possible, what we want to do is get right next to you and help you understand your why. See, I think the two greatest moments in any person's life is the moment that he's born and the moment that he realizes why he was born. 
We, we want to partner with you in discovering your purpose. And then once you've figured out why you're here, what everything inside of you is all about, what it's put there for, we want to give you the opportunity to use those gifts to make a difference and let this whole world know what Jesus has done in your life. And we believe when you do that, you'll feel more peace and satisfaction and joy inside of you than you ever thought was possible. So welcome to the gathering church. We're so glad that you're here. We hope that you'll get right on board with us. We're all walking it together. Sometimes we take steps back. Sometimes we take them forward, but we just want you to get on board with us. Let me pray for us and then uh, we'll get into our Easter message this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are and for what you've done for me. I thank you so much that that tomb is empty, that it's still empty, that, that, that you, you did everything that you did for me. That, that, you would, that you would do everything that happened over that weekend so that we could come into relationship with you. And God, we just celebrate you today. We celebrate you. This is your day, Father. We honor you with everything that we have. Be glorified in this place. We lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today's message is titled, Easter is for Anyone. Easter is for anyone. I, I was in the Coast Guard for about nine years, uh, from my late tw- teens to early 20s. And uh, during my time in the Coast Guard, I, I had the opportunity to attend a lot of formal events, kind of the nature of the militaries. There's a lot of formal events. And, uh, but the, mo- the most important ones were when we would lose one of our own. You see, the Coast Guard's a small branch, about 40,000 people in the whole Coast Guard, which means it's smaller than the uh, NYPD. It's a small branch. When we lost somebody, the whole service felt it. And so uh, whenever we would, we would have someone lost in the line of duty, we, we would have a, a, a Coast Guard-wide memorial service. And I'd been to a lot of these events, unfortunately. Uh, but one time it hit a little bit closer to home. We'd lost someone from our unit, uh, a few people from our unit. And, uh, and so we had the Coast Guard-wide memorial service broadcast from there. But we also had a smaller funeral service for our station and for the families of those uh, of the fallen. And so uh, I was at this event and we were in between the main memorial service and the funeral service. There was kind of a, a social time in between. And during which point, uh, I'm kind of wandering around. We've all got our full dress uniforms on. And I'm kind of wandering around and I notice this huge buffet spread in the back of the hangar that it's in. And it's this, just all the food and, and snacks that you can imagine, every kind of dip you've ever seen. There's, there's cold cuts. There's, I mean, there's just all kinds of food at this table. And uh, if, if you know anything about me, you know that I love snacks. In fact, my call sign early in my Coast Guard career was snacks. I had a little patch that said snacks that I wore on my uniform. And, and, that, and I just loved it. And so I saw this buffet and I just thought, wow, look at this beautiful spread that they've laid out for us today. And, uh, and, and I thought to myself, now, nobody's over there at this time. And I thought, you know, this is a really heavy day. It's a, it's a serious occasion. Nobody's, nobody's feeling like eating right now, and I understand that, you know. And, and, uh, but, but somebody's got to get this thing started, you know. Somebody's got somebody's to show the way, and I, and I volunteer. And so I walk over to this buffet table, and I grab one of the little plates. That, you ever notice that the bigger the spread, the smaller the plate? What's the deal with that? And so I get one of these little plates, and I start piling it high, 
with food. And, I, and, and I'm doing the thing where as I'm putting stuff on my plate, I'm eating one for one, one for one, one in the mouth, one on the plate, one in the mouth. And so I've got a literal mouthful, cheeks full like a squirrel, and my plate is about this tall, and I'm, and I'm still like kind of looking around trying to figure out what's next. I've, I tend to make a mess of things, and so like there was like neatly arranged things that are now falling over because of the way that I've taken them off the trays. And it's at this moment that my chief comes barreling towards me, and he comes up about two inches away from me and says, Red wine, what are you doing? And his face is so red, it's almost purple. And I said, just, uh, just enjoying the spread, chief. You know, just morning. It was a beautiful service. And, 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 he, and he says, red wine, this food is for the families of the fallen. And I look up, and at this moment, all of the families are walking towards me and looking at me as I stand there, crumbs all over my blue blazer, mouth full of shrimp dip, and a plate stacked this high. And apparently I had walked right past the enormous sign that said buffet food for the families of those lost, which I was standing directly behind. I have never felt more shame and embarrassment in my entire... You are just as ashamed of me right now as I was in that moment. <laughs> I have never felt more embarrassed more shame. And so I, it kind of ruined me for buffet spreads from that point forward. I was always, after that, I was really, really cautious. Anytime food was offered, you just never want to be in a situation like that again. And so I remember I was an intern at the church in California, and it was my first staff meeting. And I showed up at this staff meeting, and I was the first one there because I was very excited to be there. And I showed up, and there was this huge spread across the conference table. Sandwiches and perfect cutlets. There was all kind, like three different kinds of candies and beautiful jars. And it was all laid out on this table. And I got in there first, and my first thought was, yes, it's on. And my second thought was, better not. <laughs> and so I just went and took a seat in the back of the room and looked at this table with this beautiful, wonderful spread on it, and thinking, that's just not for me. It was a few minutes later when my friend David walked in the room, and he said, John Mark, what are you doing, man? And I said, just waiting for the meeting to start. And he said, aren't you going to eat any of this food? And I said, I I'm sure it's not for me. That's for the staff. That's for the pastors. There's no way that that is for me. And he looked at me and said, John Mark, man, you got to know. This is for you. This spread is for you. We did this for you. We're honored to have you at the table, man. Get a plate and make it as big as you want. Welcome. And I just wonder who's in here this morning who's feeling a little bit like I was when I walked into that staff meeting. You see this beautiful spread laid out on the table, this gorgeous meal, this, this thing that you want, you desire. Maybe it's the forgiveness of Jesus that the cross tells us that we've, we've been given. Maybe, maybe it's this desire for purpose to be a part of a family, of a community. Maybe it's just the, the desire to know God, just to, that you could even know Him. And you can see it laid out there. Maybe it's not your first Easter service. You've heard the whole story before, but you can't help but think, that's not for me. That's got to be for somebody else. That, it's just too good to be true. Maybe something happened like, like what happened to me that just brought you shame and guilt. And when you look at this beautiful gift laid out in front of you, all you can think is on the experiences you had in the past. Something inside of you just feels like 
You don't want to risk it happening again. You, you, don't want to, you don't want to take any chances. You don't want to allow yourself to go there again. You don't want to dig into that kind of a environment again. You just don't know. You just don't know. Maybe, maybe you just think it's not for me because my forgiveness, I couldn't get that. My sins are too big. My mistakes are too great. The amount of people I've hurt, I don't know that I'm even done. I, I don't think it could be for me. Maybe this morning you struggle with this Easter message because you just couldn't accept it. The forgiveness of Jesus, the free gift of salvation that we talk about just seems like it must be too good to be true. Or maybe you want to accept it. You can think of a list of things a mile long that you want to be free from. Guilt you don't want to carry anymore. Sin you're tired of hiding. Addictions that are leaking into your everyday life. And you've been to church on Easter and you've heard the story. Jesus was crucified to become the punishment for all of our sins so that we could have a relationship with God in place of all the barriers that had stood there before. But somehow, it just feels like this whole story excludes you in some way. Whether or not you can say it out loud, you think your sins are too big, your shame is too deep, your wounds are too fresh or too old, and it just couldn't mean you too. Or maybe you're in here this morning and you've accepted the forgiveness of Jesus. You began to believe that you could be forgiven. But you still, you come to church a couple times a month. Maybe you're even in a life group or on the dream team. And we keep talking about things like how he created you with a purpose. How he put an assignment inside of you. How there's more in you than you know about. And, and maybe you just think, I don't know. I don't know if that part is for me or not. I don't know if... If it means me, I don't know if I'm, if I'm able to do that. Maybe you heard that the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven was to go, tell everybody about me, make disciples in my name and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you just think, that can't be for me. I, I, I just don't feel qualified. Maybe you just don't feel qualified. You don't feel qualified to tell people about Jesus, to to represent Jesus in any way. You're, you're never going to put that fish sticker on your car because you know how you're going to drive the minute you get out of this parking lot. Maybe you just feel like you're not qualified to be the person in the workplace who everyone knows is a Christian, and so you, you don't want anybody coming to you asking for advice spiritually because Lord knows you're not qualified for that. Maybe you just don't feel qualified for the assignment of Jesus. My hope for you today is that today would be the day you learn how wrong you really are. That, that you began to understand, that you would begin to understand right here this morning, that not only is this for you, it is especially for you. That the sacrifice of Jesus, that the good news, that this moment of Easter that we celebrate every year and we, we remember every day, that this happened for you. What I want to do today is show you a couple different perspectives from the story of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus that I think illustrate these points pretty well for us. First, I want us to see that the forgiveness of Easter is for anyone. The forgiveness of Easter is for anyone. The Bible tells us uh, that after the events of the Last Supper took place, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray with his followers. He, he took them and he just said, hey guys, I just want you to stay awake with me because my heart is overcome with sorrow to the point of grief. And I just, I just need you to be with me tonight and pray with me. And they all fell asleep right away. And Jesus prayed. He prayed for them. He prayed for us. 
He prayed these meaningful, heartfelt prayers. And it was just not long after that that Judas Iscariot, who had already decided to betray Jesus, came into the garden with a mob of people to arrest him. And they took him into custody that night. And over the course of the night, they arrested him sometime after sunset. And between then and dawn the next morning, Jesus would go to six different trials, bouncing back and forth from the homes of the high priest, the former high priest. He went to the palace of the king of Israel, and he even went before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. And it was that last place, that last stop, Pilate, where Jesus would be brought out that morning as dawn broke before a huge crowd of people who had all night long been stirring and wondering and and being brought to an angry mob with nothing on their minds but ending this message of Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 15 with me this morning. It says, Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which, which one of these do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. See, Pilate had asked Jesus a lot of questions. He was really trying to figure out what was going on here. What's this guy doing here? Why, 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 am, why is he appearing before me? Why do they want him dead so badly? And what Pilate realized was that Jesus had done nothing wrong. He'd broken no laws, that the charges against him were false. He figured this out. But he also realized that if he released Jesus, that the people would turn against him. And for a, an empire like Rome, with, with, with colonies all the way out as far as Jerusalem, it was very important to make sure that you kept the people in balance. And so Pilate understood the importance of this night and what it meant. So he wanted to release Jesus at the hands of the people. He thought he could convince them if he went and found one of the dirtiest, most rotten criminals in his prison and brought him up alongside Jesus. He says, if I present Jesus next to this thug, this murderer, who everyone knows about, who everyone's aware of, they will surely choose Jesus. He thought he was bringing them a sure thing. It even says in verse 19, while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I've suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Here's the scene. Overnight, the scandal breaks out. Jesus of Nazareth has been arrested. They've done it. They've, they've brought him into custody. He's, he's going to trials. There's a murmur that goes all around the city, and it, and it starts to come together. And all of a sudden, everybody finds themselves, and thousands gathered outside the home of Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, the only man in the city with the authority to execute someone. And as all the people are gathered there, the priests and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the religious leaders... They've been using mob mentality to turn these people against Jesus. These are the same people that just a few days earlier on Palm Sunday welcomed him in with shouts of Hosanna and praise and all of it. But now they're being told that Jesus is a blasphemer who hates God. That he's here to ruin and destroy our way of life. They say Jesus is a terrorist who will blow up and destroy our temple. He'll tear it down brick by brick, he said. We have to stop this man, Jesus. The only way is to kill him. And people start to say, yeah, 
Yeah, we got to get this Jesus. Yeah, he's after who we are. He wants to take away everything that we have. He wants to end our way of life. We got to end this Jesus problem. Tonight, Pilate gets outside with these two men, and he's greeted by a crowd that has been revving up for hours and says, which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. And Barabbas, they answered. Barabbas, the Bible tells us not much about him other than that he was a murderer, that he had killed people in cold blood, that he was a rebel, that he led insurrections, that he was well known in that. And Barabbas was standing there next to Jesus and they started to yell, give us Barabbas. What shall I do then with this Jesus who's called the Messiah, Pilate asked. And they all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. And when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I'm innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. And all the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. And he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Barabbas was released, his chains fell to the ground, and he ran out into the crowd thinking, the people love me, this is a good day for me. I've earned my own, I've made my own way out of here by, by gaining the favor of the people. What a good day to be Barabbas. And Jesus would go on to be whipped, flogged, punished, and put to death in his place. What I need you to understand is that Jesus wanted Barabbas to go free. What I need you to understand is that every part of this story from beginning to end has been absolutely put in place with intention and purpose, that God didn't leave anything to chance, that every part of this story had a purpose, including Barabbas. You see, he needed us to have a stand in for ourselves. Romans 5.8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still, some versions say, while we were sinning. In other words, when you were absolutely unaware of who Jesus is, when you were at your worst moments, in the absolute worst moment of your life, when you were making the worst decisions, when you were building the biggest regrets, when you were digging out your deepest shame, that was the moment that Jesus said, I'm going to take your place here. I'm going to step in for you. I'm going to get in front of you. And there's a punishment that we deserve for that. Barabbas was a murderer, and therefore he deserved the death of a murderer. If anybody deserved the crucifixion that day, it was him. But he went free. His chains stayed right up there on the platform next to Jesus, and Jesus went and took his place. I need you to understand, if you're sitting in here this morning with the impression that the forgiveness of Jesus is not for you, that you could never do anything to earn the forgiveness of Jesus. That there's no condition of your heart. That there's, there's, no, there's, there's no amount of good deeds you could accomplish which would make you deserve Jesus taking your place. He was perfect. Absolute. Just Tuesday. This was on Friday. And on Tuesday, Jesus was healing people in the temple. People who couldn't see, he was giving them sight. People who couldn't walk, he was telling them to get up and walk. That's who Jesus is. He was playing with the children. It said the children were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, praise in the highest. And the religious people came out of the church and said, could you quiet down those children? They're being too loud. 
And Jesus said, haven't you read that the children will sing his praise? That's who Jesus is. He's perfect. He's good. And he goes to the cross and Barabbas goes free. He goes to the cross and we go free. You, you could never earn the forgiveness of Jesus. He gave it to you. And, it, and there's no, not a single person from Barabbas on who ever, ever deserved it more than anybody else. Every single one of us deserved that cross. But the forgiveness of Jesus is for anybody. It's for anyone. He offers it up to us freely. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. His forgiveness is for anybody. It's not earned and nobody deserves it more than anybody else. No matter who you are, you can have the forgiveness of Jesus today. Can we stop pretending that we have to earn it? That, that there's a hierarchy in place? We never could earn it. We could never get there on our own. Can we stop pretending that we could get these chains off of ourselves by ourselves? I need you to know you don't have the key. That there's only one who could be absolutely broken and dead and lifeless in the grave who has the power to wake himself up. That's the only one who can take the chains off of you that we placed on ourselves. He's the only one. He gives you forgiveness. He's handed it to you. He gave it to you freely. It was his choice. He said, I want you, and this is how bad I want you. Forgiveness is for anyone. You're not too unforgivable for Jesus. He outforgave you already. It's for you. It's for me. You can receive forgiveness. It's right there on the cross. You just have to accept it. And once you do, your next step is simple. You just got to tell people about it. That's it. That's what he calls us to do. He says, accept this forgiveness and then just tell people about it. Because the assignment of Easter is for anyone. The assignment of Easter is for anybody. There is an assignment for us. Ephesians 2.10 says, for you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works God prepared in advance for us to do. See, before you were born, you had a purpose. Before you ever came out and before you uttered your first words, he had a job for you to do. He had an assignment in mind, a way that only you can do it, a way that only I could do it. See, he gave us gifts and passions and dreams and desires because he wanted all of us to come together as a body. In Corinthians, we're referred to as the body of Christ, meaning we are a bunch of different people with different gifts and different dreams and different talents. But when we come together as the local church, there is nothing that cannot be undone. And there is a good news of hope that will spread to the rest of the world. You are a part of that body you were created to be. And when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, that assignment isn't just something you can earn or you can get or you can maybe one day work your way up to. He says on day one, I've got an assignment for you. It's yours. Go and tell people about who I am and what I've done. We were created to be a part of the body of Christ. Let me, let me share this part of the story with you. Uh, if you don't know, on Friday afternoon, Jesus was hung on a cross to die. And that night, he was buried in a garden tomb not far away. And the tomb was sealed and guarded by Roman soldiers. Jesus had predicted his own resurrection so many times that even the Roman governor knew about it. 
Even the Roman governor was aware that Jesus said he would walk away from the tomb. So what he did, he had the entire stone for the tomb sealed with metal and stone so that nobody would ever be able to open it. And just to be safe, he put some of his best soldiers in front of it, guarding it. He knew. He knew. But anyways, on that morning, all of the disciples, with the exception of John, and a group of, of Jesus' female followers had run and hid. They weren't there at the crucifixion or the trials. They were hiding. And that Saturday after the crucifixion, it was Passover uh, and it was the Sabbath. And so everybody was celebrating the rituals and performing the rituals of Passover Sabbath that day. And Jesus' followers weren't. They were hiding. They were ashamed. They were mourning the death of their Messiah. Look what happens that morning, Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. We're in the end game now. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples he's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid but filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly... Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him and they clasped his feet and they worshipped him. How many of you know the only right response to seeing the resurrected Jesus is worship? And he said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Here's uh, two things that I need you to see from this story. First, it was Sunday morning on the third day and nobody was waiting for him. Don't you think his disciples should have been sitting in chairs with some popcorn right before dawn? Like Jesus told them over and over again on the third day, I'm going to rise from the grave. They should have been sitting there like, man, Lazarus was pretty good, right? Do you think this will be better? I don't know. It should be pretty exciting to watch. They're all just kind of get lined up. and get... Nobody was there. Nobody was there. Nobody expected that he would do what he said he would do. Nobody believed. You got to know that on Easter Sunday morning, there were exactly zero Christians in the world. That they all just thought he was dead, that he was gone. Mary Magdalene and then some of the other followers and the mother of Jesus were going to the grave to embalm the body. They were expecting to find a severely battered and beaten body that they were going to prepare for burial according to the rituals of that time. That's what they were going for. But they didn't find it. Instead, they met an empty tomb and got to meet a resurrected Jesus. What I need you to see more than anything else is who got to see Jesus first and who was given the very first assignment to go and tell people that Jesus was back from the dead. It was these women, women uh, who got the very most important assignment in the universe. Verse 10 says, Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This group of women 
were the very first people to be commissioned to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've got to understand how significant it is that in the, very, in the first century, that in this culture, in this time, it was a group of women who were given this job before anybody else. It goes deeper than that. In John chapter 20, verse 11 through 18, it says, Now Mary, Mary Magdalene, stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? And they've taken my Lord away, she said. And I don't know where they put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't expect to see the one she just watched brutally murdered. She didn't realize it was Jesus. And he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? What are you looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. And Jesus said to her, Everything's okay over there, I'm sure. Jesus said to her, Mary. He spoke her name, Mary. And immediately she realized who he was. And Jesus said, and she cried out, teacher, Rabboni. She cried out in her native language. And Jesus said, don't hold on to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with this news. I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. And the other gospels didn't give this much detail, but they all agree Mary Magdalene was the first person to see the resurrected Jesus and the first person to tell anybody about the resurrected Jesus. Mary Magdalene was an unmarried woman who had seven demons cast out of her by Jesus. We don't know all that much about her, but she's all throughout the picture of the Gospels. She's there all the time. And she follows Jesus. But you need to know that in this culture, an unmarried woman was not even counted in a census. That they believed that they just that they didn't offer anything to society. And so there was no reason to even count them amongst the numbers. Women weren't counted oftentimes. Even the married women and women with children were assumed. If you were an unmarried woman, it was even worse. You were the responsibility of your father and really a burden unto him. And if your father was gone, most of the time an unmarried woman would end up homeless and begging on the streets. Her culture thought nothing of her. They considered her to be the lowest, most disreputable, unreliable source that they could find. But Jesus saw more than that. You see, you just need to know that whoever's made you feel unworthy, whoever's made you feel like you don't count, like you don't matter, like you're not qualified, that Jesus looks right into your heart and he says, no, you are qualified. He chooses the ones that nobody else sees. He goes after them. He gives them value. He raises them up to positions of prominence. And he gives you an assignment to do. The assignment of Jesus was given first to Mary Magdalene. And I think it was to make a statement to us. One, that we need to know that there is nobody who is not qualified for the message of Jesus. That it doesn't matter who you are or what your society says your position is. It does not matter. You've got this assignment just like anybody. It wasn't Peter that got to tell everybody first. It wasn't John. It wasn't any of these other disciples. It was Mary. Mary got the gospel of Jesus before anybody else. You know an interesting thing about Mary? Is that Jesus didn't just choose Mary. Mary chose Jesus. You see, during the story of the trials, all of the disciples fled except for John. 
He was the only one left with Mary Magdalene. And she was there at every trial. And she was there when Pilate brought him out. She was one of the ones crying out, Jesus, give us Jesus. She was there when he got whipped 39 times from a Roman whip. She watched. She was there as he struggled to make the journey from the palace of the governor up to Calvary. She was there when they put the nails in him. She stood there for six hours as he suffered on the cross. When they finally went to take him down, she was there. When they carried the body, she followed. When they put him in the tomb, she watched. And she sat for a while and she wept. She chose Jesus. She pursued him with everything she had for every moment without fear. And the very first moment that she could be at the tomb again, she was there again, Sunday morning. And you need to know that Jesus doesn't want your perfection, he wants your pursuit. That he's not looking for your qualifications, he's looking for your devotion. That he wants to know that you're going to follow him, that you're going to choose him, that you're going to come. And if, if you will, if you would just say, I, I will choose to follow you, I will come after you. You don't have to be perfect, you don't have to feel qualified, you don't have to have it all together, you don't have to, you don't have, to have it all figured out, you don't have to understand it. If you would just pursue him the way that this woman pursued him, if you would just pursue him the way that Mary would, he would lift you up the way he lifted her up. He would give you a job to do, an assignment, a position in your heart that would make you feel more full than anything you've ever given or done or received in your entire life. He would pursue you in the same way that you pursue him. He sees you no matter who you are, or what you've done, or what the rest of the world thinks about you. He loves the marginalized, the cast out, those who never fit in or felt like they belonged. He places people in positions of prominence who were considered the least by the world around them. The assignment of Jesus, this commission to share what he's done in our lives, is for me, it's for Mary, it's for you. Here's something else I want you to, to leave here knowing today. That the gathering is for anyone. The gathering church is for anyone. Maybe you've had a hard time figuring out where you fit in. or Maybe you've just always felt like you were a little, a little bit underqualified. You didn't wear the right clothes. Or, or, it, or it seemed like there was a language everyone was speaking that you never received a handbook on. Or, or, or like you, you just had way more baggage that you were walking through the door with than anybody else. I need you to know that in this place, in this room, there are a lot of people who are still figuring it out. The, the, myself included, that the more you get to know me, maybe the more disappointed you get when you realize this guy is really just figuring it out. See, we're just on a pathway together. We're just walking step by step, one step at a time, trying to get closer to Jesus. We're just following him. We're not always sure where he's going. We're not really sure we're saying or doing the right things. We're just committed to pursuing Jesus. And we believe there's freedom with that. And we want to find it. We, we, we want to be free. We've all got things that have held us back for way too long. We've all, got, we've all got shame. We've all got guilt. We've all got moments we're not proud of. And we believe there's freedom. And so we're just working our way closer to freedom together. We do it together. We believe it's a group activity. That that's what the church is all about. It's about getting together and saying, hey, I'm not okay. Yeah, okay, me neither. Let's, let's work closer towards okay together. We believe that this is a place where we don't all know our why. 
We don't all know our purpose or what we're on this earth for, but we're committed to figuring it out together. We believe there is a purpose. There's more. I think there's a reason why every person on this earth goes searching for meaning at some point in their lives. Try to fill it with everything. Try to fill it with work. Try to fill it with money. We try to fill it with with our marriage, with relationships, with people. We try to fill it with addiction. We try to fill it with with just anything we can. But there's only one who can fill it. You see, the one who made you is the only one who can complete you. The one who has forgiven you and who has called you is the only one who will make you feel whole. And I just, I just need you to know that here at the Gathering Church, you can just walk the path to figuring that out with us. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. We, we just believe that he's called us to just keep taking one step at a time. If Barabbas got life over death, so do you. If Mary Magdalene was worthy of the assignment of Jesus, so are you. Easter is for anyone. This isn't just a celebration of some event that happened thousands of years ago. This is a celebration of what happened in my life just a couple years ago. It's a celebration of the day that I walked from death to life. It's a celebration of what happened in, in people's lives already here this morning. People walk from death to life all the time because he did it first. That's what Easter's about. That's why it's a celebration unlike any other. Because death isn't the end anymore. And you can know that today. You can, you can walk into that today. To accept the free gift of Jesus is to accept that even when we were ungrateful and still sinning like Barabbas, Jesus took our place on the cross. And to accept the assignment of Jesus is to admit that even though we weren't the most qualified and we're not the most perfect, that we're still chosen and anointed and favored by the Most High God. He wants you. He wants you this morning. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, God, and for your unbelievable, unrelenting grace. You revealed yourself to Moses in Exodus. You said, I am a a compassionate and gracious God, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That's who you were then, and it's who you are today. You are a God who never stops saying yes, who never stops forgiving us, who put it all on the cross and finished it. We thank you for who you are. And we just worship you today, God. Lord, above all else, we give you our worship that you might have the glory that God for a thousand years and a thousand more after that, we'll just worship your name, God. We'll keep lifting you up. We'll keep declaring how good you are, how gracious you are, how much we need you because God, you are enough. You are enough for us in every moment. And we just thank you for this day and everything that it means. I thank you for what it means for me that I get to stand here alive living in my purpose because you called me and you, 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 you went to the cross for me. And we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand up? This is our time to respond. We've got a lot of stuff we want to do in response today. It's Easter. We've got some special things for Easter today. Before we do any of it, I want to give you a moment. Maybe you're in here this morning and today's the day. Maybe you've just, you felt this pull in your heart for most of your life that there's, there needed to be more, that, that there was more to this life, that there was more to you. And today is the day that you just, you get to say, okay, 
there's more. Forgiveness is for me. Assignment is for me. My God is for me. And you get to step into a relationship. And let me promise you this. Nothing will ever be the same. There's blessing in store for you. I don't mean financial blessing. No, I mean in your heart, things that were wrong are going to be made right. I mean in your heart, places that were empty are going to get filled. I'm ready for you to get filled today. For a spirit that is dead inside of you is about to wake up and be resurrected to new life. And so if that's you today, welcome to your moment. Let me tell you about this moment. It is a moment. And it'll pass. But a decision is made here. A decision. And it's, this isn't it. It's not the sinner's prayer and then go back to your life. No, this is, this is where you, you, like Mary Magdalene, say, I throw everything away and I will pursue Jesus. And to the end, to the moments I don't understand, I will pursue him. I'll figure out who I am as I pursue him. I'll get the freedom as I pursue him. Today is the day you start. If that's you this morning, would you just, would you pray this prayer with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you for the cross. Forgive me of my sins. I want to be made new in you. I commit my life to pursuit of you. I want to find freedom in you. I want to find purpose in you. I give myself to you completely and wholly today. In Jesus' name, amen.